Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Iowa's News Now Sports has your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks, sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare. I don't know if you can really script it any better, and yeah, I mean, you all knew I was going to shoot a logo three for the record. Come on now. We knew it was coming, and we knew it would happen probably in the first half. We didn't know it was coming in the first 132 seconds of game time last night. Welcome to Eye on the Hawks with Owen Sebring, Curtis Fader, and Mike Howell. After another record-breaking night, two weeks in a row, we've recorded the podcast on a Friday, and two weeks in a row, we've had a record-breaking night at Carver Hawkeye Arena to talk about. Um, The first thing I suppose we'll talk about is Caitlin Clark now standing atop NCAA women's basketball history in the scoring books. I think we have a look at we have a look at the shot here. Uh, this is a soundbite of the shot. Yeah. Oh, soundbite of the shot. Okay, yeah. Um, but I can pull it up real quick. Uh, just give me give me a second. But yeah, this is just it, it's it's crazy working in the business. And I was back in the state at the station, kind of. I was pushing all the things out to social, and I thought I had a little more time. But after that second bucket she made, I was like, I better hurry up and get this ready because she's gonna break it like soon. Yeah. It 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 was. I think everybody in the media was a little bit caught off guard with how quick and how furious she came out ready to get that thing rolling well you just kind of had a feeling after the previous game how that transpired (laughs) you could tell she was seething Uh and she was ready to let loose and uh yeah safe to say she did that yeah here's here's the one just on a fast break pulling up from the mediacom logo I don't know how. Does she have a sponsorship with Mediacom yet? <laughs> I don't believe so. From that logo, I feel like they need I mean, to deal with her. She has a media sponsorship with all the secondary logos because that's her spot. That <laughs> dribble to the left. It's almost slightly like Lonzo Ball at UCLA. <laughs> pull up to the left, pull the trigger, cash. You love that moment where you see all of her teammates rush out on the court after Bluter was able to call the timeout. Jada Jimphy and Taylor McCabe were the first ones to wrap their arms around her and give her a huge embrace. It's. It's continuously so evident to me how much her team loves her. I mean, for whatever the haters are going to say out there about like, oh, her teammates probably hate her because she's selfish, blah, blah, blah. I feel like everybody on the team absolutely adores Caitlin Clark. She maybe is not the perfect fit as a teammate for every player in America, but that team that they have in Iowa City loves Caitlin Clark. And that culture is a huge credit to Lisa Bluter because she helped Mm -hmm. create that family, and that's how she views him. And that's why when people are saying, oh, why don't you go after all these transfers and everything and mm-hmm. up the talent, chemistry matters more. Yep. And you saw it. She, she's built a roster that, that fits perfectly with Caitlin Clark. And there was a uh, lovely moment where Kate, uh, Lisa was talking about, they always do the circle um, the day of the game. You know, earlier in the day, they'll sit around the circle at, the, at, at midcourt and just talk about something significant. And yesterday she had the whole team go around and say something that they liked about Caitlin that was not related to basketball. Um, so everybody's, you know, talking about either her sense of humor, her goofiness, you know, leadership, that kind of thing, and um, just a really uh, beautiful moment that it would have been. You see that, too, out of her when you, when you watch all the press conferences. Like, obviously, you're always usually there or on the call, but when I'm watching them for our podcast, just her talking for however, you know, five, ten minutes, you can tell she's she's not, while she's super serious on the court, she's kind of like a goofball, kind of off it which is what I've gathered and I've never like met her in person, but you can kind of get that. If you see social media clips too of her and Kate or Gabby hanging out and stuff like that, you can tell, or that I remember that video they posted on Taylor Swift night when they were going through their favorite Taylor Swift song. She's just <laughs> yes. like super silly during the whole thing. So yeah, yeah. Well, it was when it was media day and I was there covering it. Um, I was just walking around getting a little bit of uh, just extra B roll. And there was a time where they were, shooting some little like Polaroids with Caitlin as she was, you know, posing and stuff. And then like a couple minutes later, I was shooting Lisa Bluter as she was talking to a journalist and you saw Caitlin just like kind of briskly walk by her and she dropped a Polaroid onto Lisa's lap just of Caitlin, you know, doing something funny in the post. <laughs> I, I, just little things like that where it's it's subtle, um, but she just really like knows how to make people laugh and, and, and keep mm-hmm. people loose. Um, 
So a- after the record last night, I think so. We're hearing from Caitlin and Lisa as they as they talk about um, Caitlin Clark's place in history as she now is number one in the NCAA history books. Well, I thought about doing it a couple possessions earlier, but I was a little tired, so I needed to catch my breath a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think I kind of stepped back to my left a little bit and was able to get it off and uh, went in and then celebrated. And I honestly thought Coach Blue was going to call the timeout before I had to go play defense, but she didn't, so I had to go play defense. But um, honestly, like warming up, like my shot just felt good, so I knew it was going to be kind of one of those nights and kind of played with a little bit more pep in my step. And um, I knew that's what this team needed after coming off of a lot coming off of a loss and um, just just lucky like my teammates I'm just so thankful they let me be me and I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for them so um, yeah I'm just just really thankful honestly like that was never really my goal to get it done really fast but um, made my first couple shots so was able to get another one up pretty fast and um, it was nice to get it done there fairly quick so we could just kind of move on and focus on winning the basketball game and I think you got to give Michigan a lot of credit they they played really well. They made a lot of tough shots tonight, and, um, you know, they didn't make it easy on us. We switched up our defense a lot. Um, but what I'm most proud of is, you know, they played box and one, and we didn't freak out. We just did us and what we've worked on all week, and we made some tough shots. And, honestly, our lead grew when, we, when they went to the box and one. Um, and I think that just shows the area of, of growth that we, we took a stride in and got better in. So I'm proud of our team. And, um, you know, I still think there's a lot of things we can clean up on defense, but other than that, not really. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect for her to go over and, and reach this record with a logo three. I intended to call a timeout, but it happened so fast I couldn't get it out. Just to let her enjoy it, and we really didn't talk in the timeout. We just kind of all sought, you know, sat in our thoughts, and I, I just wanted her to have some space to think about what she'd accomplished and just to enjoy the moment. And uh, usually, that's not me. I don't burn timeouts for anything. <laughs> and there was doubts whether she would take a timeout afterwards. I know that they discussed that a couple days before. Caitlin had said that she just wanted to keep the game going, but Lisa said, well, I'll talk to Caitlin and we'll see what she wants to do. And apparently they must have landed on. And you could tell they, they talked and Caitlin expected a timeout because yeah. she made a joke like, I thought she was going to call it sooner. I had to play defense for a possession. So... <laughs> Uh, people saying I saw some tweets, you know, just you, you can't escape negativity that well, Caitlin didn't even want timeout. Why did they call timeout? Well, they talked about it. You could tell. Yeah, and she was, I think, happy with it to be able to soak in a little bit of the moment like that. Uh, for a little bit of game analysis, just I think that is important for for us to talk about the fact that Caitlin mentions that they played so well against the box and one yesterday because that's what totally shut her and the team down on Sunday against Nebraska. They could not figure out the box and one, so for them to be able to figure out with uh, with exemplary fashion um, is, yeah. is a good step in the right direction for I Iowa. I think the better take on that is that they were so frustrated because Lisa Bluter especially, they're like, we know boxing one. We know what to do with this, but we couldn't execute. Mm-hmm. And then you can tell, like, I don't know. I, I saw her eyebrows raise a little bit, like, we beat the boxing one? <laughs> we beat it? Because, I mean, I think Iowa has a feeling that everyone else thinks, it's almost like that Nick Bosa thing, like, we gave you all the blueprint. <laughs> and she's like, we're going to rip that blueprint to shreds. Yeah. Yep, that, and uh, I think that we discussed it on maybe last Friday's podcast where Caitlin's best opponents that she plays against are Nebraska and Michigan. Um, I think I mentioned that she was third all-time in NCAA history for single-game performances against one opponent. Um, she was averaging 34.8 points per game against Michigan, and so she bumps that up a little bit higher. Um, I'd be curious. I can't quite do the math to know what that would be at right now, but... Um, would bump that up to whatever, probably 35, 36 points a game or something against the Wolverines. So there is something special about when she plays against Michigan because she always brings her best. Um, and the best didn't end with the NCAA scoring record. 23 points in the first quarter. I, I, I truly could not believe what I was watching with her first quarter performance. Neither could I. I, I, I was like, this has to be an NCAA record. Come to find out, it's not even an Iowa re- record. Caitlin has the Iowa record with 25 points in a quarter, which she set last year against Michigan. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, I I know she missed a layup in the first half. I can't remember if it was the second or first quarter. Mm -hmm. I remember saying, like, oh, she should have another one, another two two points. So (laughs) She was just on another level, and I was like, I kind of wish, and she set the record, so whatever, but I'm like, I kind of wish they would have just let her keep ripping, be like, Let's see what she can do. Can she uh, pass Juju Watkins' 51 points that she had a couple weeks ago? Can she pass Kelsey Plum's 
57 points that she set in her record-breaking game at Washington. Can she break Aoka Lee's 61 points? That's the uh, Yeah, record? it was 61 points in a single game. Yeah, I mean... When did they take her out, too? There was a few minutes left, right? Uh, like 145 or something, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was garbage time, but the game wasn't close. But you're like, you know, if you want a stat hunt, she, <laughs> they could have, but they didn't. could have maybe put up. Even in the fourth quarter especially, because she scored... She was at, like, 44 points, I think, with, like, six minutes left. And then she kept passing it. <laughs> she almost like, had knock to, it off. So the passing, to, to your point of the passing, she finished with 13 assists. She had a she almost had a double double in the first half. Yeah, she had like what 28 points. She yeah. had eight assists in the first half. Yeah. I was just like, that's almost more impressive. And I'm going to put together a, a highlight reel later today. Her passing last night is maybe some of the most pristine that I've seen out of Caitlin Clark in her entire career of me watching her play in person. I mean, her passes were so. Crisp, so perfect, just threading the needle right in the perfect spot from half. I mean, she had everything working for her last night. I mean, kind of a shame she couldn't get a triple double. Um, she had what, just four rebounds, five, five, five rebounds. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't seem like they were hunting too hard to get the triple double. But so, so one interesting aspect me and Mitch were talking about last night. I don't know if you saw the Big Ten. I, I put a web story up, and it was like one of the top trending stories on our website this morning. But the Big Ten put like a four minute video of just p celebrities and, and other athletes yeah. like saying congrats. And three of the people on it were Tom Brady, Peyton, and Eli Manning. Yep. And I think that's pretty cool. And I don't know if they did this on purpose, but since she's she can pass like at an elite level, mm -hmm. that they put some all-time passers on the video. Sure. Probably not intentional. Just they probably just threw them up because they're big names. Yeah. Um, and maybe you know Big Ten and, and Tom Brady's gonna be a Fox analyst, so maybe they had an in. But um, uh, that, that was pretty cool too. That. It, it almost kind of confused me because, like, Tom Brady makes sense because he's a Big Ten guy, but why were Peyton and Eli? <laughs> other well, than quarterback They thing? had her on uh, Peyton and Eli on Monday Oh, Football. that's true. They were on. Oh, yeah, true. That's true. Okay. Uh, that, I mean, I, I think I retweeted that video and was just like, again, having Tom Brady, Peyton Manning in here, she got congratulated by Barack Obama, by Magic Johnson. I mean... Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> Ashton <Iowa>. Kutcher. <laughs> Mila uh, Kunis. The, the, Shut up, Meg. The level of fame... Yeah, there you go. Congrats. I'm sorry. To she probably Clark. hates saying "shut up, Meg" to Americans. <laughs> yeah, Caitlin Clark. Uh, apparently, Barack Obama not blocked by Caitlin Clark. Uh, <laughs> the, the greatest score in the history of women's college basketball. It's been fun watching you in the Iowa women's basketball team this season. I mean, regardless of your political affiliation, if you're Caitlin Clark and you're getting retweeted by a former president, holy smokes! I mean, the level of fame this young woman has achieved is. It, it continues to just the first blow lady my wanted mind. her there regardless What's last that? year. The first lady, Jill yeah, Biden, they wanted her right. at the White House. Yep. Come on down, yep, even if you're right. lost. Which Jill Biden was there along sparked with. so much unnecessary controversy in itself. <laughs> I mean, Billie Jean King, you know, at the Final Four, of course, we saw Emmett Smith and Dirk Nowitzki at the championship. Pau Gasol, like Hall of Famers, like the the amount of people that love and recognize Caitlin Clark's greatness. It continues to astonish me. When I saw Barack Obama, I'm like. This is just <laughs> absurd at this point, I the amount it, of people that love her. It just underscores how, you know, we're Iowa-centric podcast. We're an Iowa-centric TV station, obviously. Iowa City's in our viewing area. But it, uh, she's not just a local story. It's a national story yeah. because everyone in the country, it seems, is watching. And not, not every single person, but she is one of the – I mean, these past few games um, on Sunday, on Super Bowl Sunday she and – it was the lead story on ESPN until the Super Bowl went on. Yeah. But during that time frame when her game was going on, it wasn't who's going to win the Super Bowl like it normally is. It was Caitlin Clark's chasing this record. Yeah. And then it it was, um, I don't know if it is still today, but it was last night as well. Yeah, that's that's wild. Um, I mean, there were so many records that fell last night. It, it, it almost become the second or third story that she broke the Carver Hawkeye Arena scoring record and the single game scoring record, which only was held by Hannah Stolke for one week. <laughs> 47 points Hannah dropped last week. We thought, boy, how long is that record going to stand? And turns out about six days. Um, so we, we, we asked Caitlin last night about what... You the, specifically. I left it in the, the side. Okay, yeah. I, I asked Caitlin <laughs> what that was like. Did you give Hannah a heads up that uh, this is going to be my game and that record's going to be going down pretty soon? Did you at least give Hannah a heads up that her record was going down? <laughs> she said she passed the torch to me, so I was like, oh, Hannah, that's so kind of you. <laughs> but um, Hannah will break my record. She better break my record playing here for another couple of years. And um, I'm, yeah, I, Hannah's just hilarious. She's asked why I had to do that. But um, 
I should have made a couple more layups, honestly. So um, I think that just speaks to our culture and the team Coach Bluter's built here is, you know, you just want to see your teammates succeed. And, um, you know, I was so happy for her the other night. And, you know, I'm perfectly fine with Hannah going out and scoring 50 uh, next game. So hopefully she does that. Well, she's one of her 1,000 assists. I mean, this is getting downplayed with her points because her points are so magnificent. But, I mean, her assists are incredible. And... You know, that's what makes her such a special player. But I, I'm telling you, every woman on that team loves her. Um, They're not jealous of her. They know how hard she works for it. And they know, you know, what she brings to our team. So uh, I'm very thankful that I have a group of women that understand that. Uh, uh, to Lisa's point, we were talking about this earlier with the, the amount of love that Caitlin gets. I'd be curious to talk to people who have who covered some of the major players in the past of women's basketball, somebody, you know, who covered Sabrina Ionescu or, or Brianna Stewart or Maya Moore, like did they, were they loved by their teammates as much as Caitlin? Maybe they were. I, I don't know their careers to know well UConn enough. UConn usually they, has a squad of studs, though. Yeah, yep. Um, so it's, it's possible that maybe they receive that same love, but just being able to see this up close in person, the amount of love that they have for her is really significant and, and continues to, to take my breath away. Um, what what else can we say about Hannah Stolke? I mean, it, uh, one thing that uh, that that surprises me continually with her is that Caitlin continues to give so much love to Hannah, and she really talks about her like she's going to be the next big thing at Iowa. So once Caitlin leaves, whether that's after this year or after next year, um, I know that she seems to really envision some really major things for Hannah Stolke. Did you guys take? Any tea or pick up any tea leaves in that soundbite that we just aired that that kind of gives us a, an idea of that if she's coming back next year because she's like she said Hannah better break my record playing a few more years here like is she saying that she's not going to be playing another year here or is it just more that she's younger? Well, she's kind of the king of subtle entendres where <laughs> she's like, well, yeah, mathematically Hannah Stolke has two years left. I yeah. at max have one year left. Yeah, so she will play more than I will. But you're like. Eh possible um, maybe i'm looking too much into it but i, I frankly i don't betting lines have shifted in favor of declaring i I, think. I don't see any way right now that caitlin clark comes back i mean just to spoil any conversation we had down the road i mean i would say i'm at like the the numbers and the percentages have grown and shrunk throughout the season but right now i'd say i'm at like 95 percent surety that caitlin's going to declare for the WNBA draft. it will draft. all depend on what happens in march what happens in March could swing the pendulum yeah. a little bit. And even that, I think, because <laughs> I was kind of like, well, she'll come back if they don't make the Final Four. Well, maybe if they don't make the Elite Eight. Well, maybe the Sweet Six. You know, even that has shrunk for me a little bit. I, she might still go for the WNBA even if they get knocked out in the Sweet 16. Um, maybe not. I think, if she, I think an injury is the biggest thing that I think could mm -hmm. change her mind or make her question things if a little bit. she gets bit. knocked out in Carver, though, yeah, that could change things. So um, who knows? That that's a conversation for you know another month or so down the line, um, month and a half, I guess. Once once the tournament is over. So you um, were on the on the court last night. Take yeah. us to that. Uh, we we watched it with pretty much the entire A block and the nine was was uh, your camera. Um, can you t what, what was the atmosphere like after the game? Uh, we just didn't know quite what to expect as the media. They, they'd given us some protocol ahead of the game, like, okay, we're going to have a ceremony afterwards, and this is where you guys can stand. But we didn't know how long it was going to last and how much of a, a big deal it was going to be, how they were going to do it. But um, frankly, I was just kind of walking around trying to go wherever I was allowed to go to get different shots. Um, and so I was able to not honestly get a ton of great ones just because we were blocked by the Iowa video team and by security guards and by just a lot of people that were also in the way. So um, it was tough to move your way around the court because there were a lot of restrictions on where we were allowed to stand versus the people from ESPN and from the university who were able to be a lot closer taking pictures. But um, it was still a really lovely moment. Um, there was that video that I posted of her with the tears in her eyes with, with Lisa uh, right next to her really, I mean, <laughs> Really beautiful image um, of of Lisa just looking over at Caitlin. Uh, I don't I don't know exactly how to put an adjective to it. Just admiration or respect, love. Um, a lot of emotions rolled into the the look that Lisa had on her face looking at Caitlin. Um, we just don't see that kind of emotion from Caitlin Clark. I mean, I the I think the only time I've seen Caitlin cry was after the championship game when they lost her and uh, uh, 
Monica Sonano together in the tunnel after the game. She was crying, and that was tears of sadness. But this is maybe the first time I've seen her with tears of joy te or emotion or whatever you want to call it um, when, when her family was up there on the scoreboard giving her... Giving her to me, it just looks like proud, yeah. you know, yeah. mother figure kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, we're playing the video on YouTube if you're listening to this later in the day. Um, we're going to show you some clips from there. So yeah. feel free to go onto YouTube and watch our live stream. Um, you can see this on Twitter as well. I've got I've got a picture of it up or a, a clip of this up there as well that you could you could uh, go take a look at. Um, and there's another cool video of our players, <laughs> her teammates lifting her up on the shoulders. I feel like of all the national attention she's had of all the people like Obama praising her to then have her parents that have raised her just to say we're proud of you mm -hmm. that that I can understand would break you yep yeah and and her parents are I I don't I will not claim to you know really be tight or know her parents super well but I've exchanged words with them a few times I've talked to Brent a few times her dad um, and they they too are just such like Humble, down-to-earth people, very easy to talk to and have a conversation with, and you can see where Caitlin kind of gets gets that from. Um, yeah, they're they're wonderful human beings, and um, she's Caitlin really has been raised right, and I think that they too are almost like just basking in this like shock glow of like, how is our daughter doing this? <laughs> that you had some reaction shots of them after she made that shot, where her mom even was just like. Oh my gosh! Uh, she just couldn't believe what she was seeing in that first quarter last night. Um, just everybody was so shocked about it. And um, this this next soundbite we're going to hear from Caitlin and, and Coach Bluter about about the post game ceremony. Is that what we got up next? Um, yeah, let's let's continue to hear from these two as they talk about what was going on on the floor last night after that record setting game that Caitlin Clark had. I was not aware it was coming, um, and I think that's what kind of hits you like when it hits you the most is like and. Yeah, there's been so many famous and cool people and people I idolize, you know, growing up that say a lot of really nice things about me. But when it's people that have had your back through the ups and downs and been there every step of the journey, whether it was good or bad and um, have seen the hard days, have seen the good days. And I think that's when it means the most. My teammates, my Mon and McKenna that are in there, the two people that I've given so much to this program. And, you know, without those two, I don't know where I am and Kate and Gab and our coaches and obviously my parents, like my two brothers, like it just makes me pretty emotional. And like I said, I think that hits a lot closer to home just because, you know, they've seen me go through some really hard losses, some really great wins, um, but also they've been there pushing me to be my very best and allowing me to dream ever since I was, you know, a young girl playing with all the boys growing up. So um, it's, it's just really special. And I didn't plan on crying tonight, but it got me a little bit. We don't see Caitlin get emotional all that often. Was there any moment after the game or during the game that made you emotional at all? Um, you know, when she hit it, uh, definitely um, was a, was took a second uh, to get, you know get back into reality or kind of it's pretty surreal at that point um, and then after the game just to see you know how happy she is with her family and um, you know family means a lot to Caitlin she's definitely family relationship first which is wonderful yeah that moment too um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it looked as okay as it did because it was a moment where I don't know, you guys maybe see me where I just lift up the camera like this and, okay, let's see if I can zoom in from here. Um, it, was, it was a crowded, crowded celebration there on the floor last night. But, <clears throat> yeah, really touching moment, beautiful, beautiful moment, and one that, like, I, I think, was it the lead story on SportsCenter last night? I mean, I didn't watch. I was still here. I know I saw it on SportsCenter. So I'd I assume so. I don't know if there's any bigger story in sports yeah. last night. No. But, but they, it was all over ESPN social yeah. media and every platform. But yeah. they, they mentioned it um, on SportsCenter, at least last night, one of the later shows with Stan Verrett and Linda Cohn that I was watching, that like I don't know if a single person left the building after the game. Um, I think every single person was sticking around to see that ceremony, see uh, just that crowd give their love to Caitlin Clark and um, she always does the autograph sessions after the game. Uh, she took she took a little bit longer last night, walking through, trying to sign as much as she could, shirts, posters, basketball cards, whatever she could, just before she got out of the building. Um, it seems like she really, as much as that crowd wanted to stay there and appreciate her in the moment, I think that she wanted to stay out there and uh, maybe two-way street, both appreciate the crowd and what they've done for her, but also be able to soak it in. You know, that last mm -hmm. night is... Amongst a career full of special nights, last night is maybe going to be 
the one that stands out as one of the most special nights for her. I think the only thing that would be more special would be a Hawkeye National title. <clears throat> yep, I think that that Final Four one already is probably pretty high up there on the list for her. Um, and it, it, it just overall, I mean, that, that speaks to where women's basketball is at right now, where, again, I, when Kelsey Plum broke the record in 2017, I kind of remember it happening. I'll be honest, I don't. I, <laughs> and even even Lisa Bluter was like, oh, I don't really remember like where I was. I kind of remember what you know. It was, I'm sure, a big deal. It probably led Sports Center, um, but <clears throat> just from seven years ago to now, the growth of the women's game and and what we're seeing right now seems to be really special for this sport. It is incredible because. I remember when I first moved here, and I knew of Kaylin Clark, but I kind of saw her as the next Sabrina Unescu, mm. as, oh, she's the next person, you know, making waves in college basketball, and she'll be doing well. And then first game I watched her, she was different. Yeah. And I'll put it to you this way. When that helicopter in Calabasas crashed in 2020, killing those nine passengers, including Kobe Bryant, I was gutted for the passing of one of my sporting idols in Kobe Bryant, but I was equally, if not more gutted for the loss of Gianna. Hmm. And that was because you saw some videos of her even when she was entering her teens. She had the footwork, she had the shot, she was league bound. Hmm. And I thought that she was gonna be the one to push the game forward because even though it's not because they just like women's sports, people would think the nepotism of, oh, it's Kobe's daughter, then the celebrities would come, then people would finally start paying attention to women's basketball. And I thought that when that crash happened, that dream died. Mm. It turns out that Gianna might not have been needed in the first place mm. because Caitlin Clark has picked up that mantle. Yeah. And Caitlin Clark has transcended the sport beyond what anyone has ever thought could happen. Yeah, and Caitlin, <clears throat> she certainly has <clears throat> a great amount of respect for Kobe. I know she's talked about when she gives her shoes away, signs and then gives them to a kid, uh, she won't do that with the Kobe's that she, she wears on the court <laughs> because those are special to her that she really wants to keep, keep and hold on to those ones. Would, would Gianna be in college right now? Next year, she would probably be a freshman at okay, UConn. Okay, gotcha, yep. Yeah, she certainly has taken that. Um, as much as the game was already growing with, with people like Sabrina Ionescu and Brianna Stewart, um, uh, Kelsey Plum, there were a lot of people that were building it, but uh, as much as the, the growth of the game was you know, on a steady upward trajectory for a lot of years, Caitlin seems to have made it you know, a pretty steep spike in popularity. Even you, Mike, I know you've talked about you weren't, when you were at Iowa, you weren't a huge women's basketball fan. You weren't going to a lot of games. It was maybe Megan was the first one that you were really kind of like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's when I'd say I'd started. I mean, I, I knew the, the players. I would tune in for probably the if they made the tournament. Um, I remember I think Jamie Prenti was the big star back when I was in college, but they weren't as good as, you know, the Megan Gustafson years yeah. and the Caitlin Clark years. So obviously that success and that postseason success propels these teams to new heights. And then I'm just kind of interested too of Caitlin Clark's rise is just coming with NIL and she's got all these major deals because she's marketable. But there's probably have been um, maybe Sabrina Unescu because she, she completed college before NIL, right? She if I can yeah, remember correctly. Just, just, just barely, yeah. So I think she would have got marketed a whole ton of a lot more if she could have like been paired Kobe up with really Nike. Liked her. Yeah. So um it's interesting to see or to wonder, and I don't think you'll never know exactly how much NIL boosted her profile. Yeah, that's true. But definitely yeah. I think her talent wise is something, you know, generational that we probably won't see in a really long time. Yeah. Um, but it it is to her benefit that she has been in college during this NIL period because, um, I mean, you get to watch her. It, it's, it's wild to see not even just her, but during the Super Bowl, I saw like a Kate Martin commercial, <laughs> like a local, it was a local spot from oh, Estella's in, in Iowa City. And, and she was in, and I was like, this is just unheard of, you know? And then in between that, there's State Farm, yep. Caitlin Clark commercials and stuff like that. So it's just, just a different time, but I, I, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I can't. It's it's an interesting point. I, I do wonder where the game would be at if it were not for NIL. I, I still do think that there would be a pretty incredible rise. You know, yet, yes, she wouldn't have the State Farm or the High V things like that. But again, just the way that the way that she plays, I feel like is the is the thing that makes her the most special. Yeah. So I feel like uh, still the social media loves 
bombs. But, yes, the national sp- spotlight would still be there. And- Another interesting part about the rise of women's basketball before we hear from Coach Bluter talking about, you know, from her childhood days is, you know, just, I remember the, one of the first things I was in a gender and in, in sports class back at Iowa. And there was always, they always had the traditional debate, like men's versus women's sports. Is it because TV, the TV product has always shown you the men's game. So when you grew up, that's what was important. Mm. And the women's game got tossed to the side. Yeah. Now, one of the main arguments is if you invest in women's sports and you show it on ESPN, on the major platforms, people will watch. Yeah. And we've kind of seen that shift throughout the last 15 years, last 10 years, and especially in the last five years when ESPN will will, will promote women's basketball as, as a brand and more people are watching. Now, has, women's basketball was, was behind mm-hmm. 70 years before yeah. they started actually really promoting it. So um, I think that also helped. Uh, a lot. And there, there were, I always remember seeing memes out there of like how much ESPN would kind of cram women's basketball, the WNBA down our throats when <laughs> maybe there were not a lot of people that were actually super interested in seeing WNBA highlights. They'd rather see baseball or whatever during the summer. But now I think we have reached a point where people, especially with Caitlin Clark, again, whether they love her or hate her, are interested in what she's doing and they do want to see what yeah. she did next. And I think there's another level to get to, which is sports discourse on national debate shows, because Clark is doing incredible things. The most that she'll get on a first take or any of those types of shows is maybe like 30 seconds. Yeah. Once you get starting to have full segments, and then also prime time television slots, because first of all, in the summer, especially with just 12 teams, the season goes fast. But the WNBA Finals, Game 4, which turned out to be the series clinchers for the Aces, Game four was Sunday at 3 p.m. on ABC on NFL Sunday, right in the midst of the 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock slot. The NBA can't compete with the (laughs) NFL. What are you doing slotting it like that? And then during the regular season, a lot of times, most of the teams, you're at the mercy of Bally Sports or something local, and there could be blackouts. So I think I could definitely see Caitlin Clark being like a Magic Johnson in term, and Larry Bird in terms of transforming the exposure because, you know, before those two came, it was like tape delay for the NBA Finals, and now all of a sudden, everyone's consuming it more. Yeah. She can do that. Yeah, with, with the amount of networks that are chasing her games, trying to get her there, Peacock obviously among them, and being uh, the benefactor of a lot of incredible Caitlin Clark moments. Um, Caitlin Clark, they, The Office, and Ted is keeping that... <laughs> streaming service alive <laughs> they yeah the 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 national viewership is going to follow but let's let's hear from bluter she talked about the growth of the women's game from when she was a prep athlete over at linmar there's no way you know i could imagine this i <laughs> i can remember sitting on my couch with my parents and my home and marion and watching billy jean gang by bobby riggs and thinking wow you know we can really play sports you know we really have this chance and watching the 72 olympics and thinking wow we get you know this is a possibility for women um i'm gonna have to say i was pretty excited last night billy jean king called and uh expressed um her excitement for our program and for this record and um that was pretty special to me because she's always been an an idol to me uh, somebody that uh, a shero to me as you would say as she would say um i could i couldn't imagine this there's no way there's just no way you can even fathom this as a little kid growing up when i did in pre-title nine is unimaginable lisa bluter has really had a front row seat to every aspect of women's basketball because she was a prep at linmar in the late 70s i think so again before um women's basketball was even a ncaa sanctioned sport i mean she has vivid memories of trying to watch and follow the game i'm sure as a middle schooler and high schooler when she could probably could never see it on television she played at the University of Northern Iowa, and she's last year during the tournament run, she talked about that, where she'd go and play at the, the Old West Gym, I think, and, and they would have, you know, if they had 50 people in the stands, they'd be lucky, mostly parents. Yeah. I mean, I did a story about that while she was at the Final Four, where she just said that nobody cared. When she was first starting to coach, her team, like, <clears throat> they had one pair of shoes that had to last the whole year. <laughs> she and her husband would take two vans, and yep. sometimes they'd accidentally leave a teammate behind at the gas station. <laughs> and that's just how it was. And now yeah. look at what's happened. Yeah, yeah. And she's Lisa Bluter maybe doesn't get enough recognition for being, for really representing and being true to the Iowa spirit in her career. Just again, from Linmar to you and I, coaching at St. Ambrose down in the Quad Cities, 
coaching at Drake for a number of years and then coming over to Iowa. I mean, she's been, she's been true blue for the state of Iowa for her entire career. And she's, you know, as much uh, recognition and respect Caitlin gets right now, Lisa um, is a big part of why the game has reached the popularity that has within the state of Iowa, at least. Um, the, the next, you know, the, uh, we somehow have to move forward now with, with the season, even after Caitlin breaking the record. And there are a number of other records we're going to be seeing her chase along the way, whether it's Pete Maravich's or the, the record for the most points scored in college basketball. A woman, Pearl Moore, is a name that we're, we're looking at as well. Um, but they still do have to try to win the Big Ten. Um, and here are the remaining four regular season games. Uh, this is, let's see, what's today? The 16th? So the 22nd is what, next? Next Thursday. Next Thursday. They get at, a week off. They're at Indiana, yep. N- nice Good little respite for the, the team. Good thing they get the Yeah, exactly. I know they talked about that in the post game too, just how happy they are to have a nice little uh, rest week to get healthy. They've been sick recently, so just to try to get healthy for that big game at Indiana. That's a huge one that if they lose that, their hopes of a regular season Big Ten title are pretty much shot. Um, then they've got Illinois at home. Uh, the following Sunday after that. Then they're at Minnesota, and then the regular season finale is at home against Ohio State, who's number two in the nation right now. If, if Iowa wins the next three, the Big Ten regular season championship going to be riding on that game against OSU. Um, so still still a lot to play for, still a lot of records that can be chased by, by Caitlin Clark, currently 99 points away from breaking Pete Maravich's NCAA scoring record, um, and that we could see happen by, by the... <laughs> Shoot, even the Minnesota game, um, if not the Ohio State game, you got to think if she keeps up her average. Um, I don't know. Do we do we see right now? Do you guys think Hawkeyes win the Big Ten either regular season or postseason? There's one more loss to be had. Think I so. think it's it's gonna be tough. I mean, Lisa Bluter said it on her radio show that Indiana and Ohio State only play each other once, and Iowa has to play both of them twice. Um, that's just two extra games that they don't have to play against quality opponents. Right. You know. Um, it's it'll it definitely be tough. I think, you know, Ohio State's only lost against Michigan, and they play Michigan again. And if Michigan get the the the, the sweep, they could theoretically, I think, have a three way tie with uh, both those squads. Um, there's definitely a tier in the Big Ten though, like those three teams, and then it's kind of Michigan, uh, Nebraska, and all those other second tier teams are are below them. Yeah. Um, that loss at Nebraska really yeah. hurt yeah. because. The way I was looking at the schedule is if they would have won that game, they could drop the Indiana game and still theoretically beat Ohio State and and uh, won at least a share of the title. Yeah. Um, I, I hope so, but I, I see it's unlikely because Ohio State's just playing lights out right now. Also, I don't think a Big Ten regular season title is on uh, Iowa's big goal list of things to get. Winning the Big Ten tournament where you actually get a trophy at the end <laughs> is going to be a huge yeah. deal. But a trophy I, for the regular season. I, I guess. I think the regular season is more important than the Big Ten. I mean, that's just me. I mean, I do see the value in that, but I think in especially basketball, they treat the tournament a lot more weight. <clears throat> but I, I think it's going to be like last year where they basically are, are – I could foresee them winning one or the other. Um, I think that if they win the Big Ten regular season, I mean, gosh, again, they're going to have to beat Indiana, Ohio State to win the regular season. And then if they want to win the tournament, I'm sure going to have to beat at least one of those teams again, if not both of them again in the postseason. Boy, that is a tall order. It's <laughs> a lot to ask of this Iowa team to beat Indiana, Ohio State, maybe get four more wins against those teams before the season is I will over. say this. I think Iowa will lose one more game this season, hmm. and it'll be a matter of where. Yeah. You'd hope that that one more loss would come in those four games, and then they win out. Yeah. But it could that loss they could go unbeaten in the regular season in Big Ten tournament, and that loss could come in March Madness. And I still say that they can lose one more game and still be a one seed in the tournament. I don't know if they can lose two more games and be a one seed in the tournament. That too would. I mean, it kind of depends on what else happens amongst other conferences around the country. Who else is winning yeah. and losing? But. Having two lo- two more losses, being a five-loss team and getting a one seed is going to be a little bit dicey depending on how your season ends. But if they win the Big Ten tournament, I do think that they're a yeah. one seed in the tourney no matter what. Man, um, South Carolina. Yeah. One loss the past <laughs> three seasons so far. Yeah. Granted, that loss was to Iowa, but it had that's, to take a Herculean performance from Caitlin Clark to do it. That's not a team you want to face at any point, right? regular season or postseason. season. Um, we, before we closed up shop, we did want to have one kind of, uh, debate discussion for the show. Um, now that Caitlin is the all-time NCAA women's basketball leading scorer, 
we want to talk about our respective Mount Rushmores of mm -hmm. college women's basketball. Um, you know, however you wanted to define your Mount Rushmore, um, those those four faces, those four people that um, most define the sport are the best, however you want to do it. So I guess I'll, I'll hand it over to Curtis first to give me your Mount Rushmore so, of women's college basketball. I would almost view Mount Rushmore in terms of eras. So the first face that I would have would be Cheryl Swoops. Yeah. And she, her story is very similar to Caitlin's in the matter of winning a national title for Texas Tech mm -hmm. and setting the records there. And then obviously that became a springboard for the plethora of accolades she would get in her professional career, whether it's the gold medals or the MVPs or the championships that she'd make in the WNBA. But then also there's another era where uh, early 2000s, Diana Taurasi Subert on UConn winning three straight and Diana Taurasi in particular winning two Naismiths, 03-04, I believe, before she has her career. That's definitely up there. Then there's the other era that had uh, Brittany Griner-Baylor, Maya Moore, UConn, Skylar Diggins, Notre Dame. And when those three players were going at it, it was very entertaining to watch. If I had to choose one from that list, I'd probably choose Maya Moore because I think with NIL and increased social media, because keep in mind this is like late 2000s, early 2010s, uh -huh. if Maya Moore had social media, she'd be 10 times more popular. And especially with uh, a lot of the stuff she'd done, especially for her husband who's wrongly convicted, she's definitely somebody that I think and also, she won a bunch of titles at the next level, but this is college, yep. and she still dominated at UConn, won two national titles back-to-back. Yep. -back. So we're, we've got Cheryl Swoops, uh, Diana, Diana Taurasi, Maya Moore, Moore, and then, of course, Caitlin Clark. And so we say Caitlin Clark. So, so for you, why, why put Caitlin on the list for you? Caitlin on the list, it's because you can't put the history of women's basketball without her. Hmm. She is responsible for transcending the sport in terms of popularity, and she has the accolades. She's gonna be a back-to-back -back Naismith winner. The other name that I wish, if this was like Naruto and there was a fifth head, <laughs> it would be Brianna Stewart because she won four national titles, lost five total games in college, and won two Naismiths. <laughs> yep. But also part of that is just the UConn machine. Mm. They make the Final Four. They had a stretch from 08 to 2022 where they made the Final Four every year. Yep. All right, well, my, my final, my Mount Rushmore goes in a little bit of a dick, different direction. Um, Curtis and I only have one person that overlaps on our two respective Mount Rushmore's. Can I guess Rushmore's. who it is? What's that? Can I guess who it is? <laughs> sure. Caitlin Clark? <laughs> yeah, well, wise man behind the turntable over there. Um, first person on the list, and, and maybe somebody would call me problematic for having a man on the Mount Rushmore of women's college basketball, but number one for me is Gino Ariema. Um, I, I feel like... The UConn women's basketball dynasty is something that we have never seen in any other sport at any level, mm -hmm. and we will never see again at any other sport at any level, high school, college, or professional. F find me a high school team that's had the type of success that Gino Ariema has had at UConn, and he hasn't even been doing it for an incredible amount of time. I mean, 1985, he took over that team um, in that time. Now 1,201 wins and 161 losses, an 88.2 win percentage. Um, the man <laughs> has put together a team that, uh, until Caitlin Clark came along, UConn was, was women's college basketball. That was all, if people couldn't tell you any one thing about women's college basketball, they knew UConn was the good team. If you were good and Gino called, you went. 1,200 wins, and he reached 1,200 wins in five seasons fewer than it took Tara Vanderveer to get to get there. I mean, five full seasons less than it took another person to get 1,200 wins. Um, and he's he's maybe hinted that this could be his last season at UConn. Um, but if if it is, 11 national championships, <laughs> 11 national championships, 22 Final Fours since 1985. 22 Final Four appearances for Gino Ariema and UConn. 27. Conference tournament championships. I mean, granted, especially the last few years, they don't play in a good conference women basketball. I mean, they win so many games by sixty plus points. It's it's kind the of big ridiculous. East used to be fun though. Yeah, but used to be much more competitive. Now it's kind of a joke. Now but, they're in the American. So their their regular season is not you know as impressive as if you're doing it in the Big Ten or the SEC. But regardless, twenty seven conference tournament championships, twenty seven regular season championships, eight times he's been named the Naismith Coach of the Year. Um, Nine times the AP Coach of the Year, ten times Big East Coach of the Year. I mean, there's just nobody that 
has truly dominated this sport from his level as Gino Ariema has. Um, number two, um, call me whatever you want, uh, call it what it is. I'm putting two coaches on my on my Mount Rushmore, and the other one is Pat Summit. Um, I was going to say she's somebody who was a good friend of Gino and and coached a, a lot of years as his chief competitor. 1974 to 2012, she was the head coach of Tennessee. Um, Kind of what Lisa Bluter is to Iowa. Um, Pat Summit was that for the state of Tennessee. Growing up, born in Clarksville, she played at Tennessee Martin, coached at Tennessee. She kind of rallied that entire state around the sport of women's basketball. She won eight NCAA championships and 18 Final Fours, finished her career with uh, two wins shy of 1,100 coaching wins. And she, you know, she passed away at 64. Um, 64 years old. So had had it not been for early onset Alzheimer's, she could have stuck around maybe another 10, 15 years, and she would be two, three, 400 wins maybe in front of Gino Ariema for the all-time coaching wins record. I mean, um, the whole landscape could change because we're in a time space where there's the blue bloods like UConn, Notre Dame, but there's also a lot of gravity towards influential influential coaches that can bring in five-star talents like Don Staley and Kim Mulkey. So yeah. she would have a lot of more stake in that pool of talent. Yeah, and I, I mentioned she passed away at 64. I actually had to retire at age 60. So that is, that's young. I mean, that's younger than both of my parents. Um, and so for her to have to retire at that age, she, she had a lot of career in front of her if it hadn't been for um, you know that early on Alzheimer's. That was tragic loss for the sport of women's basketball. Um, so we've got two coaches and two players on my Mount Rushmore. The first, um, I, I kind of just had to go by talent for me was how I did it. So the first one is Brianna Stewart. Um, okay. I think that she, the thing with UConn is that they've had so many incredible players go through and they sometimes aren't maybe able to shine as bright as they could just because they win games by 60 points and people aren't able to rack up stats like if you're Caitlin Clark and, and have as many big numbers out there, have as many individual accolades. But she, amongst even all UConn players, has had a, a, just put together an incredible career. She had, she was what, a, let me see, I've got her Wikipedia pulled up. I was looking for her college um, college numbers. But regardless, she was a, what did we say, three-time Player of the Year? Uh, two-time Naismith winner. Two-time Naismith winner. Four-time national champion. Four times. Uh, again, imagine that. As a freshman, she was named the NCAA Tournament MVP. Four times she was named the NCAA Tournament MVP. She truly had one of the most astonishing women's basketball careers. Um, and and the final person that I put on my list is, as, as Mike spoiled, Caitlin Clark. And it, it isn't so much even just for the points and the assists, even though whether or not Kaylin is the greatest player of all time, I mean, I, I can't say yes or no. Some There's a strong debate for or against. There's a lot of debate out there that you know will never really be solved. But when we talk again about Mount Rushmore, it's not like Mount Rushmore, if you look at the four presidents that, that are on there, it's not like those are the four best presidents. I don't know if somebody's going to say Teddy Roosevelt is the, one of the four best presidents. Maybe, hey, don't maybe disable Moose. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he's more up there because he was a big proponent of the national park system. And, of course, uh, that's, that's why he's on the, uh, uh, his face is on this national park is because he was important for uh, a, a huge moment in American history in, in embracing the national park system. Um, and so that's why Caitlin Clark, I think, belongs on there because she is, again, like her or not, she is at the centerpiece of the – tremendous spike in popularity for women's college basketball. People love her and people hate her and people are always dying to see what she's going to do next. She's going to smash the NCAA all-time scoring record, whether or not she plays this year or one more year. Um, passing 1,000 assists, she's going to get to 900 career rebounds. She's the all-around package. She has redefined what it means to be an elite player and she's going to shape a lot of careers of women who are going to come after her. Mm-hmm. There That's you go. That's a good list. Um, and, and Mike, I know you weren't going to participate in the women's basketball one. You, you didn't feel like you had the expertise. I didn't feel thing. qualified in that. I am going to give a, an Iowa one, and I won't go as long as you gas bags just went on, on for me. <laughs> uh, on the yours. content they're here for. I'm just yeah. saying. Is it? We had a lot of good names that we were anyway. slowing out there. Yeah, here's how to do it, though, to get it on social media. you got to give them all the names all in you know 30 seconds, and then you go back and you say why. Yeah. You know, a little... I'm just kidding. Crops. Um, <laughs> um, so this is just Iowa basketball. I split it up two in men, two in women. And this is just me. Anything pre like 1950s, fall, you know, Iowa men's basketball went to 
couple Final Fours in the 50s. I don't know any of those players. I'm not going to include them. <laughs> um, I'm going to include Clark, Clayton Clark. I think she's the best Iowa basketball player of all time. I think she's made that. Best Iowa athlete of all time? Probably. Yeah. I th- think you'd have to put him or her in a, a Nile in the discussion. Uh, I'd put Lisa Bluter as the other woman's basketball just because the longevity. I think she's the winningest bas- Big Ten basketball coach. Uh, Final Four, four tournament titles, two regular season titles. Just, you know, I would love to put Stringer on there, but she just wasn't, you know, she, Bluter's been here for like 20, 25 yeah. years. So put those two on. And then for the men, I think Chris Street does, always deserves a spot there. Um, just what he did for the program, the way his career and his life was cut short. Um, and that, longing memory of Chris Street for Iowa basketball. That's just one of the things I think of when I think of Iowa basketball. Uh-huh. The other one is Ronnie Lester because he took the men to a Final Four in, in 1980. Yeah. And um, uh, I wish I could have been old enough to watch that, but um, I've always been told that if, uh, if he didn't get injured, Iowa could have won a national title that year. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. So you got Caitlin, Lisa, mm-hmm. Chris Street, Ronnie Lester. No yep. Luca Garza. I thought about Garza, but I don't know. I, I like to balance both the the scoring that he did, like Caitlin did, but also with postseason success. Mm-hmm. And Garza, you know, just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Lester and Clark took him to Final Fours. Um, what was their best? The I mean, it would have to have been the, the second round of the tournament. And I don't believe he even made it to a Big Ten title game, so... Um, love Luca was was awesome four year or three years when he was here, but um, yeah, I wouldn't elevate him that high. Yeah, all right, it's a good list. Um, a lot of debate out there. Uh, again, I had the Hawkeye top seventy that we re- revealed um, late last year, and I put Caitlin Clark list, number one. That was before this season even, <laughs> and so um, this even solidifies it. I mean, we talk about well, yeah, Caitlin Clark and and Niall Kin- I think Caitlin has. Uh, lapped Niall Kinnick in, in all of his career accomplishments. I mean, God bless Niall Kinnick. He was Heisman winner, um, uh, POW, or not sorry, not POW, but KIA. Um, and so uh, he, for his service to the country and the university, like obviously deserves a, a lot of distinction for being, um, you know, incredible human being. But I think that Caitlin, what Caitlin Clark has done for the university and done for her sport, I think is surpassing anything anybody at the University of Iowa has ever done. Clark's going to get a statue and give 20 <laughs> or 30 years. That arena's going to have her name on it. That's interesting. I don't think that arena's going to be around in 30, 40 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a d- discussion for a different... There's going to be an arena in Iowa City. That's, that is an interesting point. Um, whether it's the court or the arena or something, that's uh, that's an interesting point. We might see that uh, come to fruition. Well, we've uh, we've talked long enough about about our heroes of the game, legends of the game. So um, we're going to be back here every week on Eye on the Hawks, talking basketball season as we get ready to wrap up the regular season. You can follow us on the social medias on X at Eye on the Hawks on. YouTube at Iowa's News Now. You can, of course, watch our uh, live stream of this where you can see all the pictures and videos from uh, what we've shot in the highlights from the days and weeks and nights before. Follow us on Instagram at Iowa's News Now. Thanks for joining us after another record-setting, record-breaking night at Carver Hawkeye Arena, and the best possibly is yet to come. For Curtis Fader, Mike Howell, I'm Owen Sebring. We'll see you again next time. <laughs>